It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, July 26th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that wonders where the Travi fit into the Flyers rebuild. That's complicated. It is complicated. We're going to get into where, of course, Travis Konechny and Travis Sanheim fit into the Flyers rebuild, plus your mailbag questions all on today's show. You're Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, at our Miriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. We are also on Instagram and threads at Locked On Flyers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the Sirius XM app. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, uh, we are recording this show on Monday a little early. So if any news about Morgan Frost or anything comes out, uh, we will be sure to cover that on the Friday show. But in the meantime, we did find out that Flyers prospects Cutter Gauthier, Cole Knubel, and Devin Kaplan were invited to the World Juniors uh, Summer Showcase for Team USA, uh, which is a pretty cool little mini tournament that they uh, do a split squad Team USA and then uh, Sweden and Finland also participate uh, up in Michigan at the U.S. training facility. Yeah, it's kind of like a nice little primer for what's to come with the World Juniors, gets guys out there. The U.S. team really gets a good look at them, so do the other countries. It's fine. I, I don't get crazy over things that I see. If there are some overwhelmingly great things, that's fine, but it's not like super top competition, super hitting, and, you know, it's it's a, it's, it's a little more laid back than that. Yeah, and it just gets some eyes on, on the guys. I'm glad to see Cole Knubel yeah. involved in the conversation. Um, I think Kaplan and Gautier are to be expected, but um, n- nice for Cole Knubel to get the invite as well. Um, looking at our main topic of today's show, you know, based on what has happened so far this summer with the Flyers, we know that Travis Sanheim and Travis Konechny were both on the trading block for the Flyers, and neither one of them got dealt. And so it seems like they are going to be members of the Flyers, at least, you know, up and through up through the trade deadline. And we'll get into that uh, for this upcoming season. So it, it sort of begs the question, okay, where do these guys fit on the team now for this season? And then in you know, for the rebuild over the next several years, and will they be a part of it? Yeah, well, first thing is, I don't believe Konechny was available for very long. I think Briere had this one or two conversations with Steve Eiserman, and I don't think it went much further than that because like, I asked around and I asked people who asked around, and there seemed to be nothing else. So I don't think they really were going to trade him. I just think they were just going to see if there was some crazy price. So clearly, he's in their plans, at least for the you know remainder of his contract. Do I think it's impossible that they re-sign him beyond that? No, 
it's not impossible because if the cap were to go up uh, like six million, three million dollars, then six million dollars, that nine million that everybody talks right. about um, next few years, it is possible they would resign them. So I think there's a a small chance of that. So yeah, right now he he's a top talent for them. Right. So when we uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at both the forwards and defensemen on the Flyers uh, in terms of where do the lines stack up now based on what we know. And, you know, talking about Travis Konechny in particular, and we wanted to talk about the Travi because we have a forward and a defenseman here. So it's a good way to get a sense of how the Flyers are managing the rebuild overall. Right. We talked about Travis Konechny potentially being a second liner for this upcoming season, which doesn't really initially make sense based on where he's played in the past, right? Mm -hmm. He's a top line winger. That's, you know, where he has been. But if you're trying to consider, you know, where everybody else fits into place and who the top line center is going to be with potentially having Morgan Frost there, who complements him best? And that's been Farabee and Tippett. And so, you know, with Couturier returning, you kind of potentially wanted him as the second line center. And so that's why Konechny slots in in the second line. But I think I'm more interested in the special teams usage, which changed for him this past season, right? Yeah, because now he's penalty killing and they like the fact that he's an offensive threat on the penalty kill. But again, you know, you can't kill him in minutes. He was over 20 minutes, which is fine. That's actually okay. It's like three minutes more than he used to get, and he's deserving of it. Uh, you just don't want to get to that 25 Owen Tippett mark because I just don't think it's healthy for anybody. Uh, so I think if he is doing that penalty kill, then if he's getting penalty kill and he's getting power play, then, yeah, if you ease up on him a little five-on-five, five, I don't have a problem with that because there's just only so many minutes that he should play. Uh, I think the interesting thing with with Konechny is uh, he's, he's definitely – I think th- I think what the coach is going to do with Konechny is basically just say, look, with the top two lines, there is no top two lines. I have two lines. Uh, I have four. He's going to he's going to do that. I have four lines, and and I use them as I see fit. And that's how he's going to sort of get around that because if Konechny's lines really doing it one day, then they'll they'll play that one more, and vice versa if the other one is. And I don't think there's going to be a top line. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, of course, he'll do the four lines yes. thing, but uh, we do know there's going to be sort of a top half and a bottom half of that, mm-hmm. and the top two lines will get more minutes. Yeah, and that that's just how it works in hockey because you got to get the matchups right. Yes. So there's there's almost no way to avoid that, but I, I do think that um, it, it would behoove the Flyers, I think, to put him with Couturier should Couturier be returning? And again, if he if he's not, then all bets are off. And I think TK goes back up to that top line uh, and, and they shuffle things around a little bit. But I do think that his role this year overall, aside from getting, you know, the similar number of penalty killing minutes that he did this past season, um, you know, I would like to see him get a little bit more power play time as well, which suffered, I think, because he was on the penalty kill. No right? question. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, like, Tippett's really not going to do much penalty killing, right? But he's going to play, like, all these power play minutes. So he's going to suck up some of the extra minutes that Connecty gets. I, I, that's the way I, I look at it. 
Yeah. And I think it'll depend, honestly, where it should depend, let's say, on if they're going to make him available at trade deadline, because right. if they are, then they're going to want to showcase him and give him opportunities. The coach in doesn't all care about that. Situations. That's the only thing. I know. He doesn't Listen, care. That's why I said should, I know. as opposed to I know. Uh, will. But ostensibly, if they are going to have him available at trade deadline, he's going to have to uh, in theory, play more varied types of minutes, but also give him more opportunities to score. And that means power play time. Yeah, I mean, look, the rest of the league knows about him. And if he continues that play that we saw last year, which was much better than the play the year before, it's not going to be a problem. Teams are going to want him. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think then as far as the rebuild goes, like and where he fits in, you know, you mentioned him potentially sticking around and they might re-sign him. I think it just depends on the situation at the time. You know, he does have this upcoming season and the one more year after that left on his contract. Um, I think he really is one of those guys that has a mentor potential here with some mm -hmm. of the forwards that the Flyers have. I think, you know, having him here, like up through potentially when Mitchkoff arrives could be beneficial to those other younger guys. Yeah. I mean, he's 25 now, if he doesn't lose the speed and he's not banging himself up too badly, you know, you could see the, the potential. Uh, the other problem is though, if he's going to start scoring 30 goals a year, uh, then you're going to start talking about the cap number and then, then it might get a little sticky. So it really depends where he settles in point wise. Yeah, I just don't see there being any way around, you know, the two different options of either re-signing him and keeping him around and spending whatever that is, or making him readily available at this year's trade deadline or next year's trade de deadline. I, I think you cannot let him walk for nothing. No, I think that would can't. be the only bad result here, right? Right. Like I, I think if he stays in the thirty goal range, which is possible in Torch's offense. You know, then I do think he'll be talked about at the deadline because the value will be high. Um, you know, if he's at the 40 yeah. goal range, then it's kind of like if he's on pace for something like that, then he's you almost think you have to trade him because he's probably never going to hit that again. He might be at maximum. That's the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. It kind of depends where he settles in, because if he's going to have a career year this year, he's ripe for trading. So I, I would say between the two, Travi, he has definitely the bigger potential of getting moved sometime over the next two years and really uh, is less likely to, to be part of the, the rebuild, you know, mo moving down the line. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we do have the other Travi to talk about. That's Travis Sanheim on the blue line side of things. And we will do that coming up next. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to over under to who you think's gonna hit the first home run. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Before we dig into uh, the Travis Sanheim role in our rebuild, uh, on Friday's show, we are going to be responding to your votes on our second summer poll 
which is on the next Flyers player that will be a finalist for a major NHL award. Some interesting results so far. Not going to tell you what they are, so you can go check it out and vote for yourself. There'll be a link to that post that's over on YouTube in today's show notes. Travis Sanheim was obviously on the trading block. No question. uh, There were rumors about him being part of a deal with St. Louis that we talked about that just didn't come to fruition. So the contract that he signed with Chuck Fletcher, that $6.25 million through 2031 kicks in this season, really makes him uh, almost impossible to trade, I would say. And especially with all the retained salary that the Flyers have right now or, and with the buyout, like, I don't think that it's going to be possible to even consider that for at least three years of this contract. Yeah. All the bad columns were up, you know, penalty minutes up all kinds of things that just wasn't a great year is plus minus. You could say part of that's team fine, but he's been a minus before you just look at him and you're like, "Mm." even seven goals is like, okay, but I guess we all had higher hopes that he'd be at least like a 12, 13, 14 goal guy. That hasn't happened. 23 points is abysmal. Most he ever had was 35. Probably when he had 35, we all thought he could get to 45 or more. Then he hit the 31 point mark, and then you're like, "Mm, okay. So I guess he's like a 30 to 35 point guy. Now you don't know. Now you're kind of hoping he can get back to the 30 to 35 point guy because let's face it, his defense was better a couple of years ago and and now it's up in the air and his ice time dropped as a result. It's been interesting with him because I think despite Rasmus Ristolainen actually improving over the course of this past season, again, he's still not great, but he got better having that pairing where it just felt like there was no other option that Sanheim and Risto being paired together based on the other personnel. And that really limited Travis Sanheim's ability to get involved offensively as much as I think he would like. At a certain point in the season, I think he was just like, I'm doing it anyway. Right. And you could tell, you know, he would skate up with the puck, you know, deep into the zone later in the season. Um, But he did not do that for the bulk of the season because he was trying to work within the confines of Torts' system. And I get that. But really, when you look at his stats, the main issue has been the assists go way down this past year. And when you're trying to be a playmaking defenseman and your assists go down, like that's supposed to be your bread and butter, right? True. Yes. It's supposed to be. Uh, you also look at it and you say, boy, um, for what the contract is, what kind of defenseman are you? So like, you know, halfway through the deal, if he's a puck moving, decent defenseman, 6.2 won't seem terrible. Won't be great, but won't be terrible. Right. But right now it's bad because still that, that number denotes that you're more of an offensive defenseman than anything else. And, and the offense isn't there. He's played games like he's playing 80, 81 games the last couple of years. That's good. Uh, so the availability is yeah. there, but, and you know, but the shot total is down. So it's kind of like, he's got to find his way in the torch system. Like you saw, it was a bumpy road. Yeah. And so I think that's why this upcoming year is so crucial for him and figuring out the best defenseman to pair him with. And 
it seems like he's kind of locked in with Risto again. They're they're going to have to make it work in a better way than they did this past season. And you hope that Ristolainen can continue the improvement, that he doesn't regress, that he picks up where he left off, and they continue to evolve as a pair in order to get the most out of Travis Sanheim. Now, if they blow up those pairings and it's something completely different, different story. And willing to discuss that, but I just don't see that happening. So that pairing is going to really have to be the backbone of the blue line this year. Yeah. And, and, and look, his blocks and hits are high, you know, they're good numbers, 137 for blocks, 61 for hits. So that's good. His giveaways are down from last year, but still up at 42, which is a lot considering his takeaways were 22. I just, yeah, I, I gotta see him be better in his defensive zone. I have to see him just be more aggressive, bringing the puck up. Like you said, in the offensive zone, like if he's not allowed to do that, then, you know, John Tortorella is basically turning. And what are we doing here? Yeah, right? like he's going to turn him into um, like Ristolainen before he got to the flyers. Like Ristolainen, like you said, he's improved enough. Now he's actually got on power play time and Sanheim had a struggle to get on the power play. And that seemed like that was the coaches doing yeah, I don't think he's going to get the power play time. They experimented with it a little bit yeah. this past year. I just don't think it's happening, especially because they're going to want to get Cam York running that that power play two unit. I think it is what's going to happen here. And so, you know, looking at his role kind of this year, but then also for the next couple of years, because again, probably not going anywhere. I think that I don't know that he's a guy that I say, yes, he has mentor potential, right? Yeah. That he could take a younger defenseman under his wing. Now, maybe I'm reading him wrong, but I just don't see that with him, that he's just like a do his work and get it done kind of guy. And like, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that when you're looking at needing guys to pair up with Emil Andre or Ronnie Adderd or even Oliver Bonk, uh, down the road a little bit to try and remake this Flyers blue line with the prospects we have. You know, I, I don't see Sanheim as being part of that process as much as just a piece in that process. Yeah. And I don't quote advanced analytics much, but I, I found one that did actually work for him. And that's, you know, five on five tied game. His number is not good. And without Ivan Provorov, you can make the argument he might have to be out there in those situations based on who's on their blue line now. And so he's got to tighten that up. Yeah. But as far as like the, the rebuild and his potential role in there, I well, mean, that could be his role in the rebuild. That's the funny thing. Like he could turn into either Ivan Provorov or he could turn into just a generic second pairing guy that, you know, has upside and you yeah. hope the upside's there and you never get it. I know. I mean, and depending on how he does I, and how the other Flyers prospects do in terms of their growth and development, Sandheim could end up as as a bottom pairing guy down the road a little bit. That may take a while. Um, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope not. But I think that he's just solidly a second line or second pairing guy. Right. Uh, here. And hopefully the Flyers can get a, a, a top pairing guy out of the bunch we currently have or or elsewhere over the next couple of years. I mean, that's the problem with this whole conversation is, is that we're looking for other players to play on that top pair, knowing that it's a long shot for Sandheim to do it. But Sandheim has been signed almost as if, Hey, 
you know, if he has to fill in at that spot, maybe he can over a stretch of time. And now that's kind of like in question, right? So, you know, that's where the salary doesn't match what the duties might be. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he'll get top pairing minutes this upcoming season right. for at least a portion of the season. Right. Because just the way hockey works and personnel yeah. switch around and yeah. injuries happen, Sandheim's going to be on the top pairing for at least a portion of the season. So he's got to really come through on that. Yeah, and that could really chart the course for what his role is with the team over the next few years. I think it's it's a real critical year for him. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely be hoping that the Travi uh, contribute positively to the rebuild. In the meantime, we have some of your excellent mailbag questions, and we will get to them coming up next. Russ, diving right in uh, at Red River Wave on YouTube. If the Flyers get a top five pick next year, would you pick a center winger or defenseman? If they pick below the top three, uh, I'd go for a big shutdown defenseman like Sam Dickinson from the London Knights. Yeah, it's a little early. I'm not willing to say where I would go yet. Uh, I think, I think really I have to have a long look, uh, a good half season look before I start making those kinds of determinations. I'm not ready to do that yet. Obviously, we're all wishing that the Flyers get the top pick next of year, course. but him uh, I've seen uh, a lot of. Max Celebrini, I've seen a lot of, and yes. Aside from that, I do think it's too early when you're getting outside of the top five. Yeah. I would say there's just, it's too early on that front. But uh, definitely going to keep the name Sam Dickinson on the list of potentials. That's for sure. Uh, Dennis Bishop asks, uh, your thoughts on Briere and Jones making sure benching is discussed and how to use it. We're forced to eat over $5 million in dead cat money because our coach took a player who made the All-Star game and someone who led the defense in points because he couldn't find a better way. The coach's decisions cost us money. This has to stop. Well, I mean, you're hoping that the benefit, the cost benefit of the coach is going to improve now that he sort of, you know, is molding it his way and teaching this culture and everything else. Uh, again, I think the culture thing is very overused. I think that what he did was he did make them a little harder to play against, but then there was a point in this season where they were not hard to play against at all. And people teams did not care about coming in. And we know that. So that part went up and down. I don't think that was a complete success. So again, it's easy to fall back maybe for the coach and say, well, maybe it was these players that were holding it back and we'll see. Uh, I get it. Right. I get the frustration on that. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if this year doesn't show like direct improvement for certain amount of youngsters in the team, would they continue in the same direction coach wise like that? I think, you know, might get debated if all of a sudden, that doesn't look the same way. So I think this year, uh, I think the coach does is going to be under the microscope more, much more than last year. Absolutely. And I do think that obviously the two biggest um, victims, I don't know if that's the right word <laughs> uh, in the benching are no longer with the team. Right. right. And the new guys that have come in have come in ostensibly with the approval of Tortorella. So 
I, I think that there'll be less circumstances where they'll need to use that option, but uh, I and we saw what the outcome was of it. So hopefully lessons were learned and we're moving on from, from those guys and uh, we won't see that as much this year. Our next question comes from Michael N. Jimenez. Sorry if I mispronounce that. Um, wants to know a question uh, about us. Uh, since it's cottage season, could you spend some time giving your early backgrounds with the Flyers as a fan or hockey fan and how you chartered a career into this? All right, quick version. Uh, my grandparents did have like a summer house in Peekskill, New York. So we'd go up there, we'd walk to the lake and walk back. We'd play softball and, and paddleball was a thing. If you want to look it up, uh, there's not that many. In, in where you live, Rachel, there's still some paddleball courts. Uh, and in Florida, there's still some, but there's not many. So we used to do a lot of that. Hockey-wise, uh, started becoming a fan in 72. The Islanders were not in existence yet. So I was a Ranger fan. Uh, started to learn from um, the broadcast about the game because nobody was a big hockey person. And even my brother like sort of liked it. Uh, but then we all got into it. And so working this into a side hustle was interesting. Uh, there's a good friend of mine, uh, Doug Cataldo, who helped find, found um, sportsology.com, my website. And so basically one day he um, was becoming uh, a web designer and he invited me to go to a, uh, a football game up at West Point. And we were chatting about the internet and he goes, you know, you should start writing on the internet. It's kind of like, you know, new, I know it sounds stupid to say, uh, but you have good sports takes and I think people would like them. And I started doing that. And then we started doing broadcasts and we did internet radio uh, when podcasting wasn't even a word and it all kind of worked from there. Sirius XM was a big boost for me too. Yeah. And you've been covering the flyers for oh God, a long time now, like over a decade. Yeah. Well over a decade. I, I started with the Rangers then with the Flyers, I would say it's 15 years at least, maybe 20. Yeah, I would say I'm the one who's obviously been the lifelong Flyers fan yeah. uh, since the womb. Uh, grew up in the Philadelphia area, no question about it. And uh, started doing a hockey podcast. I, I did it for five years uh, with a friend of mine who uh, works in the Oilers organization now. Um, and we did that show and that's kind of what led to this show. And I was like the flyers half of, of that other show it was a flyers Oilers show, which is a very weird a combination, weird combo but it worked. Considering the Stanley cup and yeah. how it all worked out. I know, I know, but it, it worked. And, uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how, how I got here, but yeah, I've been watching and playing hockey for, for a long time. So that's kind of the short story there. Art via Twitter wanted to know um, what happened at the 2017 NHL draft. Lots of talk that the Flyers wanted Makar, but didn't pick him. All right. What happened? I'm going to go back and say, I don't believe that story. I don't believe it for a minute. He wasn't the kind of player that they wanted. They never, I never heard him connected with the team. Doesn't mean they didn't discuss him at some point, but I, I look, People looked at Colorado like they were gutsy. You're taking this smaller guy from the AJHL, a lesser known league, uh, who looks great there, uh, you know, has over 100 points there, but is that going to translate? Now, there were some contributing things like, hey, you could see an in international competition, the guy could skate his you know what off, and you could see there was a great offensive ability, but can he play defense? Can he get stronger? Can he, there was a lot of questions. As many good things as you knew about Kale McCarr, there were questions too. So 
you know, the feeling was that that Colorado was gutsy with that pick at the time because there was risk. I don't think the Flyers were willing to take that risk, to be honest. Yeah, I just think there was no question. It was Nico Heischer and Nolan Patrick, yeah. and those were the two players that were going to go one, two. And anybody who said that any other pick should be made, like that were very, very rare. Right. So uh, I think there, there was just no question there. Uh, last question, Ryan wants to know, why do players enter the draft when they know they won't be turning pro right away, even in the minor league? Wouldn't the minors be the better place to prepare for the parent team? So when you enter the draft, you, for one thing, you know, you get all that celebration. You get to wear the team jersey. It's a lifelong dream come true. If you went straight into the AHL, you'd be like, okay, this is nice, but it's still just a stepping stone. Like you hear guys, a lot of times if I interview them in college, they're like, hey, this is great, but it's just a stepping stone. Why go on the stepping stone when you could get drafted by the best and then also, you're doing you're going with their guidance. You want to see what they tell you to do because sometimes career paths change. Sometimes guys don't go to college hockey and they go and play in junior hockey or vice versa. Or sometimes guys go overseas and then other ones don't go overseas based on what that team tells you, based on what they think is the best plan for you. That's just as important as anything else. Yeah, I think that you know, in terms of if if a guy knows that he's going to play college hockey and he's committed to play college hockey, they still enter the draft because they have the system of that pro organization yes. that's going to help guide them in their development, yep. to your point, that um, you don't just go get drafted and then abandon those plans because with multiple avenues as an option, you want to figure out what the best path is for you as a player and having that pro organization help guide you um, is is a helpful thing. And so that's why guys enter the draft, even if they could just play college for a couple of years and then enter the draft. Yeah. Um, it doesn't give them the variety of options or the support that they need in their development that the pro teams give them. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. On Friday's show, we will get to your poll results on future Flyers potential award winners. And we're going to talk about summer hockey in the Beauty League. And there's some uh, Flyers players associated with that summer league. It's it's a fun uh, hockey display that they got going there. And uh, we'll get into it on Friday's show. If you want your mailbag question answered on a future episode, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.